0: listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Wernie and Ethan Sachs.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. We've got our Rivals of Ixalan pre-release crash course for you this week. My name is Ben Wernie, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs, back from his dinner club. Ethan, how
0: you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I feel very well fed. I've been in a car all day, and I am so so pumped to talk about this set with you. We've been pretty like cagey about talking too much over like texts or Twitch or whatever. So I'm really excited to get your your full thoughts in my ears this week. Yes, the foreplay has been building. and now <laughs> we, get to, we get to actually do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we would normally have a lot of like nice little talk about how our weeks were, but there's no time for any of those shenanigans. There's no time for Vintage Cube Trophy updates. There is time, however to talk about our Patreon page. That's right, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where you can give back to the show if you so choose. Uh, we have some sweet perks this week, especially those perks are going to be extra sweet for the people who get copies of our show notes because we have a lot of information about this set for the folks at home who want that copy of the show notes. Um, so we have a couple new patrons this week that we want to shout out. Welcome to the fray, Joel, Joshua, and Axel. Thank you so, so much for your support of the show. It means the world to us.
1: Yes, absolutely. Cannot say thank you enough.
0: Okay, so we're going to do things a little differently this week. We are not, that's right, I repeat, we are not doing a card-by-card set review. We wanted to take a different approach to the spoilers this week, and uh, and I want Ben to maybe guide us through how that this episode's going to go.
1: Yeah, we're going to do things a little differently than normal, as you said. First thing we're going to do is just take a look at stats. Like as many different statistics as possible for the format that we can throw at you to help you and us get a picture of what the format's going to look like. Because I think we missed the mark pretty hard on Ixalan, partially because we didn't understand how the removal matched up with the creatures. And I think if we'd taken a look at these kinds of stats, we might have been able to get a a better sense of how the format was going to play out. Um, So we're going to jam stats down and then kind of try to draw some conclusions about the format from what those stats you know lead us to believe about the format and then for each color we're going to go through our biggest like we've already done grades uh in a spreadsheet for all of these cards. And we're going to highlight the cards where our grades are different by more than two marks. Like if I had a C minus and Ethan had a C plus, we're going to take a look at that card. And if you're just interested in our grades in general, we'll have a link to the spreadsheet available for you. And then after we go through those differences for each color, we're going to take a look at the top commons and top uncommons for each color. So for white, we'll do the grading differences, then top commons, then top uncommons and so on and so forth for all the other colors.
0: So I think the first thing to do is if you're unfamiliar with the grading scale we're using, we are going to be using the same scale, uh, I think, generally used across the board, but I think started by limited resources. So this is the A through F grading scale. So an A, not going to be found in the commons and uncommons most often, but that's going to be bombs, game winners, cards that are good in many situations, especially when behind. These are often the best cards in the set. The bomb rares, hyper-efficient removal spells. So we think back to Ixalan, Hostage Taker, Vraska, Relic Seeker, Watley, Warrior Poet. Register Alpha, Charging Monstrosaur even, uh, those are going to be the, the bombs of that format.
1: Yeah, and then Bs are going to be strong cards that pull you into a color and make you want to play that color, reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors, some of the very best commons in the set and very good uncommons. So some examples of that from Ixalan, Adanto Vanguard, Siren Storm Tamer, Wanted Scoundrels, and Drover of the Mighty.
0: C's are going to be solid playables. These are like the meat and potatoes of a limited deck, very interchangeable. These are your average creatures, normal, overcosted removal spells, Paladin of the Bloodstained, Siren Lookout, Headstrong Brute, Tishana's Wayfinder, that sort of thing. D's are your sometimes playable cards,
1: your below average card, 22nd, 23rd type cards in your deck. Some examples of this, Crash the Ramparts, Nest Robber, Costly Plunder, and Headwater Sentries.
0: Fs, these are unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck at any circumstance, weird rares, constructed cards, uh, like Ashes of the Abhorrent or Arcane Adaptation.
1: And then we've got a couple of uh, niche grades here, sideboard cards, cards that don't make the main deck, uh, but when you board them in can be quite good. Some examples of that, Slice and Twain, Demystify, Spell Pierce, and Duress.
0: And we'll also look at cards in a sort of build-around capacity, cards that don't do much on their own, but when built around can be good to maybe even great. So like Wild Growth Walker or Lurking Chupacabra as explore payoffs from the last set or favorable wins as a payoff for a bunch of flyers. All right, that's the grading scale. Let's dive into those stats, baby. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing we want to look at in terms of stats are the creature power and toughness. So we sort of just went... Pretty mathy here, uh, and we should say that all the cards that we're looking at this week are only the commons and uncommons. So, especially because it's a small set, the rares and and mythics aren't going to come up a, a ton. So, we really just want to be as as limited players for draft and sealed. You're going to be dealing with commons and uncommons like ninety five percent of the time. So that these are the stats that are going to matter. So we looked at. The average, median, mode, and range of power and toughness for creatures. So, for common creatures in the set, the average power toughness was two point two nine for power and two point three nine for toughness. The median power toughness was two two. The mode power toughness was two two, uh, and the range for power was zero to six, and the range for toughness was one to six.
1: Yeah, and as far as the uncommons go, same power and toughness stats. The average power for uncommons was two point four three. The average toughness, 2.65. The median the mode, again, are 2.2 uh, for the uncommon, same as the commons. And the range of the power is from 1 to 4, and the range of the toughness is from 1 to
0: 5. So just to give you an idea about how prevalent the 2.2s are, 41 of 83 creatures have power 2, 32 of 83 creatures have toughness 2, and 47 of 83 creatures have toughness 2 or less. So about half the creatures are two twos or two ones, basically, or like one ones, but like a 2-2 two two or smaller. Why is that relevant? This is like a format of bears right here. Yeah, not
1: even like, you know, Ixalan, uh, Simulan always wanted to call a format of hill giants. Well, this is like a format of bears and goblin, goblin pikers, is that the 2 and Yeah, a goblin pikers. right, yeah. Yeah, so
0: super low power level, it looks like, as far as power and toughness driven. Mm-hmm, yeah, very, very flat. So, I mean, it harkens back. This makes me feel like... It's the same as Ixalan. Like a lot of my thoughts about this as we will get through today is that like this just seems like an extension of Ixalan and not like it's really going to shake things up maybe the way Hour of Devastation did for Triple Amonkhet. This looks like we've got a lot of flat power level among creatures from any cost. So I think that's going to the thing that a big takeaway from these first stats for me is like. Well, if this is an average set of 2 twos, then a 2-mana two 2-2 two two is going to be better than like a 3-mana 2-2 two two. or anything yes. that's like efficiently costed, like a 3-mana three 3-3 three three or a 4-mana four 4-4, four four, if those exist, those sort of like pop out to me as well as cards that are above rate. As well as like maybe a 1-mana 2-1, because if you can drop that
1: thing on turn one, like it's going to be trading with your opponent's 2-drop.
0: Yeah, or their 3-drop, or their and it allows you to double spell as well, right? You can like on turn four drop a, a bear and a 2-1 one for 1-mana one or something like that.
1: Yeah. And then taking a look at the so we, we just looked at the creature's power and toughness. Moving on to converted mana cost stats. The average converted mana cost for a creature is three point oh eight. So on average, you're casting a goblin piker, a three mana two two, which is I mean, granted, they're probably gonna have some abilities, but mm-hmm. that is not great.
0: Yeah, that's not great. Uh
1: and the, the median uh, converted mana cost is three. Uh the mode converted mana cost, two, three, and four converted mana cost were all tied at twenty two creatures. So There are 22 creatures with cost 2, 22 that cost 3, and 22 that cost 4. And the range of converted mana cost is from 1 to 6. And there's almost no 5 and 6 drops. 6 is like a Colossal Dreadmaw, and there may be like a couple 5-drops.
0: Okay, so how does that match up to the removal in the format, right? So we, we often talk about, like, how you're trading up or down in terms of tempo or investment in mana when you cast removal spell on a creature. The removal in Ixalan was super clunky, right, because it matched up poorly with all the smor- small creatures in the format. So in Rivals, the average CMC of removal at common and uncommon level is 285 Uh, We can compare that to Triple Ixalan, where the average CMC was 3.7-ish, almost a full mana more expensive than it is now. So as you'll see, the removal did notch down a bit. Like, we'll we'll look at stuff, but, you know, we had Pious Interdiction for 4 mana, now we have a Passivism effect for 3 mana. We had Contract Killing, which was just a straight-up kill spell for 5 mana. Now Black has a straight-up kill spell for 4 mana. We had Unfriendly Fire that dealt 4 damage, and now we have, I think it's called Bombard, That deals four damage for just three mana. So everything feels like it got notched down a little bit. So what what, what does that tell you about how removal is going to match up in this format? Uh,
1: You're going to be getting a a very slight mana advantage on removal versus creatures uh, in general based on the average converted mana cost. However, the creatures just don't seem very powerful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see how good removal is in the format. Like, it's obviously better than it was in Ixalan, which does give me some hope. You know, you were saying this seems a lot like Ixalan to you. Yeah. The fact that the removal is a whole mana cheaper on average does give me hope that maybe control decks will exist And that you will be able to play a more traditional style control deck with removal and one for ones uh, trying to get card advantage with card draw. We'll have to see how that shakes out, though.
0: Yeah, for sure. So we also wanted to take a a dive at some things that are, I don't know, niches of the format. And one of those that came up a lot when I was looking through the set review was life gain. There's a lot of cards that, that seem to care about gaining life. And I wanted to see how much life gain there was in the format and where it was, because that was also a pretty big clue one of our biggest takeaways when we did our like wrap up of Hour of Devastation was like, felt like a lot of incidental life gain existed in that format. And that was one of the reasons that the format slowed down a bit, you know? Right. Because there were great aggro decks in Hour of Devastation. There was Mm -hmm. just life gain and good control cards to combat them. Exactly. So in Rivals of Exilon, there are only seven ways to gain life at the common and uncommon level, and that's including things that have uh, life gain or just inc- or things that have life link and things that just have incidental life gain. So to just give an overview of what those those seven cards look like, they basically are only in white, black. There's four white, three black spells, and it's all basically gaining two life. Maybe you've got like a 2-2 two, two lifelinker here. A lot of spells have just like gained two life tacked onto them. And they're all fairly good. They seem like they're mostly on the the playable side, the C or, or higher grade side. But I think uh I think it's not a ton of life gain.
1: Yeah. So that sounds good for the life gain cards. Um moving on to mana sinks. There are almost no mana sinks in the format and they are all like pretty not good. I think the first of them is a blue card. It's an uncommon called aquatic incursion it costs three and a blue for an enchantment. Uh, it says when aquatic incursion enters the battlefield, create two one, one blue merfolk creature tokens with hex proof. And then it's got the activated ability of 3 and a blue, target merfolk, can't be blocked this turn. That's a tricky one to evaluate. Uh, that's one we're going to discuss later in our differences because we were uh, a little different on this card. I think it's probably the best of them, but still not insane. There's a red card, sun-collared raptor, costs 1 and a red for a 1-2 dinosaur with trample. And it's got uh, the activated ability 2 and a red, sun-collared raptor gets plus 3 plus 0 until end of turn not what i want my two drop to be doing and or what i want my mana sink to be um so that one's really not great in my opinion uh and then the black green gold uncommon called jungle creeper is one black green for a three three elemental and has the activated ability three black green return jungle creeper from your graveyard to your hand so like a good value card but not insane
0: yeah it's like a cute explore card like you can like explore to the graveyard and then buy it back later i feel like is what it's trying to do in black green but like If you think back to, we had great mana sinks at Uncommon for the Dirtle decks with Shapers of Nature and Thundering Spineback from the last set. And yeah, we'll still have a pack of that, but this makes me a lot less excited about like messing around with multicolor control decks or drafting my boy Sailor of Means again. I just don't think there's a lot here without opening or getting past some busted rares for the the control decks to have incentives, you know? Yeah, makes sense to me. Um, so we do have a couple, like, quote-unquote wraths or, or mini sweepers at, at Common and Uncommon. There's two in a red for Shake the Foundations, which deals one damage to each creature without flying, and has the very important text draw card on it. Uh, this hits 15 creatures in the set out of 83 total. So not a ton, but does it, it is not blank, so I think this this isn't, like, the worst card in the world, but it's certainly not very exciting. And there's a much more exciting card. This is one black-black for golden demise. Uh, all creatures get minus two, minus two on end of turn turn, or if you have the City's Blessing, uh, which we'll get to in a second what that is, only opponent's creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. So this hits over half the creatures in the set. It hits 47 of 83 commons and uncommons in the set. So that's going to be a really effective sweeper, I think, in this format, and a pretty high pick for black. Yeah, I think it's going to be a super
1: high pick and it gives me hope that there are going to be control decks in the format. Like the fact that this is at uncommon, like, do you remember back in Amonkhet format, the rags to riches, how good that was at rare, like minus two, minus two to the team? Yeah, for sure. It feels like that's going to be similar power level here, if not even better. And might, might spawn, like might be good enough at uncommon to spawn a control deck on its own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to just go over quickly what Ascend is? We just talked about City's Blessing.
1: Yeah, so we've got a new mechanic called Ascend. It's the only new mechanic for the set. Ascend says, if you control 10 or more permanents, you get the City's Blessing for the rest of the game. And just a couple important things to note about that. Uh, Instants and sorceries with Ascend are going to check upon Resolution whether or not you've got 10 permanents. And then once you receive the city's blessing once, you have it for the rest of the game. So if you ever cast an instant or a sorcery with a send and you've got 10 permanents in play, you get the city's blessing boom, you've got it for the rest of the game. If you ever have a creature with its send and have 10 permanents out, boom, you've got the City's Blessing for the rest of the game. Even if you drop below 10 permanents. So once you've got the City's Blessing, if for some reason, you know, we're in Vintage Cube here, so that's where my brain goes. Mm. If you get balanced down to no permanents, <laughs> you've still got the City's Blessing. And then, so what the City's Blessing is, is it's just like a thing that grants bonuses to your cards with ascend. So there's going to be, like, a lot of creatures with Ascend that get minor bonuses once you've got the City's Blessing, etc., etc., etc. So 10 permanents uh, is the key mark that you want to get there.
0: Yeah. So how prevalent is this? Well, it's the new mechanic. They are pushing it kind of hard. There are 14 total cards at Common and Uncommon that have Ascend. Uh, three in blue that are all payoffs for the late game. Three in white that are all semi-aggressive cards. Three in black, again, all payoffs for the late game. One in red, aggressive none in green. Uh, There are two gold cards, two of the uncommons, the blue-white and the blue-black one. These are great late game payoffs. Uh, And there's one artifact that sort of has a pretty meh payoff for having the City's Blessing. Um, So it's primarily concentrated in the Esper Shard, right? So we have three blue, three white, three black. It's also in the present in the the blue white and the blue black uncommon um so those best payoffs i think are going to be in blue and black which is pretty good cuz i think a lot of the times you're going to be getting a send is with treasure tokens i think that's most likely where you're going to get it but these are all pretty minor payoffs I, I don't know how excited you are about ascend ben uh i'm fairly excited about it in a blue
1: black deck uh it does look like there are some very real payoffs to me in in blue and black for Ascend. Mm -hmm. And it looks like those colors want to be controlling anyway. And those are the colors that have treasure. And I think unless you're doing it with treasure, you're probably not going to be getting Ascend very reliably unless you're in a game where the board stalls out. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be like trivially easy to do. I think it's going to happen like randomly in games that stall out. And other than that, it's not going to happen unless you put work towards making it happen with like treasure and stuff.
0: Right. I also think that white got a white and black, but white was really where you were making a lot of tokens, a lot of vampire tokens. White's not really doing that anymore. Um, There's there's one common, there's a a two mana, two one that when it dies, it makes a, a one one token. But other than that, there's not really a lot of token making happening. So I think it's more going to be treasure based. Um, And if anything, like there is some token making in the the merfolk side of things that we'll get to. But uh, but I don't really think it's happening for vampires, at least in the rivals packs. Yeah.
1: And then we've got some returning mechanics just to like take a look at to kind of show you how prevalent they are or not prevalent they are. Um, So the first one we're going to take a look at is Enrage. There's five cards total in the set with Enrage. One white card. uh, It's like a five mana, three, five with an Enrage trigger of gain two life. Two red Enrage triggers. One is on an uncommon that's pretty good. Three and a red for a two, two. Uh, that has an enrage trigger of deal five to target creature and opponent controls. I think that's, like, the only real payoff for enrage. Yeah. Uh, And then there's another common that, like, has an enrage trigger of deal two to an an opponent, deal two damage to an opponent. And then there's two green enrage cards. One of them makes a saproling upon enraging, like a 1-1 saproling token, and another one untaps a permanent upon being enraged. So none of those are really, like— major effects except the deal five to a creature so i do think that card is going to be good uh, and worth building around and something to keep your eye out for
0: yeah for sure raid is not as present as we might have thought so there's only three cards with raid in total there's two blue ones there's three and a blue for the three two raid mana war effect the three two that bounces a creature when it comes into play if you attack to the creature and there's a three and a blue for a three two flyer that's reduced by one colorless mana if you attacked. ...with a creature this turn. Both of those are very, very strong, I think. Uh, and then there's one red mana for a, a 2 and a red for a 2-2 two, two that gets a plus 1 plus 1 counter... ...that makes it a 3-3 three, three if you attack with the creature. So again, if we were looking back at the power toughness stats. This, If you attack with the creature, this is going to be a 3 mana 3-3... Three, three which is pretty good right now, at least looking at base power toughness stats. So all three of the raid effects in this format seem good to me, um, but it's just, it's not really that prevalent. So you're really going to be getting those raid payoffs a lot more in the last pack.
1: Yeah. And then Explore is almost non-existent. So sad. It is so sad because that essentially means that Wild Growth Walker and Lurking Chupacabra out of the Ixalan pack are pretty dead. Yeah. Unless you just get insanely lucky. So there's one card, uh, it's green, it costs a single green. It says... Uh, It's called Enter the Unknown Uh, to Sorcery, and it says target creature you control explores. You may play an additional land this turn this is a super super interesting card we were texting about this one because i was i was just saying it was tough to grade because when your creature hits a land it's insanely powerful right it's a single mana that cantrips draws you a land so essentially the card is when you hit a land off exploring it's like a mox that costs one
0: it's free which is like yeah very good yeah
1: (laughs) but when you when you brick and you don't hit a land you're spending a card to like give a creature plus one plus one and like maybe play an extra land and its card disadvantage so unless your deck's like really interested in a plus one plus one counter on a creature which i think most decks aren't like this card's dangerous
0: yeah i think it's probably not gonna get played that much but i don't think it's actually that bad and i don't know if there's any like top of the library manipulation i didn't really like think about it when thinking about this card um, but that's probably too much set up anyway for just like a one mana maybe it draws you a land thing but I feel like this is not—so when it when it hits, so what if it was just, like, one mana, you play an extra land this turn, and, like, draw land? What is that, a B plus? That's great, yeah. It's great, right? And when it bricks, it's, like, a D minus?
1: Yeah, something like that, a D, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, like, I mean, it's kind of risky, but I feel like that can all average out to be, like, a C minus or something. It's not atrocious, but anyway, there's just not—if that's your only explore thing, at common or uncommon, it's just— It's not in the cards in this format. Um, And then we've got some treasures floating around. Six total cards. My boy Sailor of Means is back. These are all in the Grixis shard again. So two blue cards, two red cards, one black, and one artifact. This is a gleaming barrier. It's two mana for an O4 that when it dies, it makes a treasure. Um, So that sort of like makes me feel a little, little tiny tiny twinge of hope that dirtle could be a real deck in this format like a colorless o4 that card's great right wall of forgotten pharaohs did that for Hour of devastation i think yeah but wall of forgotten pharaohs ability i think was much better like the fact that it could tap to deal damage was it was like a win condition for control decks this is not i agree it's not but i do think it could slow the speed of the format down like it's defensive speed right for a control deck for sure and there's not exert in this format so it makes the o4 much better i think yeah, so there there is some treasures floating around, but again, it's it's not a ton. It doesn't feel like it was as as much as as in uh, in Ixalan, which of course was. I mean, we're talking about well, it's not as much as in Exelon. And Exelon was a bigger set, um, but it does feel like a, a lot of the stuff was toned down to make way for uh, City's blessing and ascend shenanigans. Yeah, uh, and then just to take a quick look at flyers. I think flyers are going to be
1: very, very good in the format, and oh, I think you yeah. think that as well. Yeah. There's 11 total creatures with flying out of 83 creatures. Three in white, four in blue, three in black, and then there's a the blue white gold card is flying, uh, and then green has got plummet to interact with flyers, uh, and there are no cards with reach in the format. Yeah,
0: that's huge. The fact that there's no at archer, there's no grazing whip tail. Like I think flying is going to be the name of the game in this format.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really strong. And gran- And I think those other cards with reach are going to, by extension, go up in value in the Ixalan pack if you're in green.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think so. So what does all of this make you think about the Lords of Limited, biggest innovation, the beard strategy? Do we think that this is a beard format or not? It's going to be
1: really interesting. And I think that's one of the first things we're going to report back on to you after jamming some drafts. My initial inclination is like, Yes, like the, so the signs that point toward it being Beard are like the low power level of the creatures, right? The average, average power and toughness being a 2-2, like there being no mana sinks. Those, those two things definitely point towards it being Beard, right? Yeah. But I think the saving grace for the format might be the removal being a whole converted mana cost cheaper. And there's going to be a lot more removal because there's two packs of this and it's a small set Mm. and the removal spells are pretty good.
0: Yes. And... So there are enhancements, there are enhancements that common and uncommon that I think are all varying degrees of, of like fine to quite good, but they don't give a big power and toughness boost like we're used to. So we're not getting our plus two plus twos because I think that was one of the things that the fact that in Ixalan you were getting these one with the wind swashbucklings and mark of the vampires that were buffing things to power and to toughness versus a bunch of clunky removal that it like often outclasses like, well, it's out of range of Vanquish the Week and oh, it's out of range of Unfriendly Fire. Like a lot of this removal doesn't have that problem. And a lot of these uh enhancements in Rivals of Ixalon don't give that big of a boost. So I think my initial takeaway is yes, it is a beard format, but I am also sort of like, well, I wouldn't be surprised if this removal just matches up too well against how small of a buff you're getting from from the equipment or the the auras.
1: I think another thing to keep in mind is that there's only one pack of dive downs. Yeah. Like, so it's going to be like, that was also like, that was also a reason the one with the strategy, one with the wind strategy was great it was because you could just jam one with the rins and dive downs and be certain you weren't going to get blown out.
0: But there's negate, which is one in a blue instant counter target non-creature spell, which is worse, but does a very, very similar thing.
1: Yeah, I didn't even really think about that. That's a yeah. very, very good point.
0: Yeah, negate. I think negate is the dive down of this set, probably.
1: That's interesting. I didn't think about that at all. I think I listed that as a sideboard in our in our grades. Maybe that's going to be main deckable.
0: All right. Are you ready to look at at our grading differences?
1: Yeah, let's take a look at our grading differences. So we're going to dive into some cards here and actually give you the text instead of just talking about them in generic nebulous terms like we did
0: for our stats. So the first card that I want to look at here, which I think I should, I'm just going to have to downgrade because I think I'm just wrong about this. Uh, it's Sanguine Glorifier, three and a white for a 3-3 three, three vampire cleric. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on another target vampire you control. And for some reason, I gave this a C. And you gave it a D plus, and that's that's probably right. I mean, it might is it it's not really like build around status, but it's like it's only going in a black white vampire deck, right?
1: And even then, it's not. I don't think it's going to be particularly exciting there. Like a plus one plus one counter is not great on a one one lifelinker or something. It's pretty exciting on a bishop soldier, I guess. But
0: yeah, I mean, but let, well, let's think about this in terms of the stats, baby. It's it's four mana for a four four. Yeah, yeah, four, four that's worth of stats. It's a 4-mana 3-3, three, three, which, so a 3-3 three, three is like bigger than half the things, and then it can make something else, like make a 2-2 two, two bigger than half the things. I, I think in a vampire deck, this is like minus. i C-.
1: C-. Mm, I'll give you C-. minus.
0: All right, he's going to give me C-. minus. What's next?
1: Next up, we've got Snubhorn Sentry. This is a tricky one to evaluate. Single White for an 0-3 Dinosaur with a Send, so if you have 10 or more permanents, you get the City's Blessing, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And when you have the City's Blessing, it gets plus three, plus oh. So once you get to 10 permanents when this is on the battlefield, it's one mana for a three, three in the late game and ostensibly early in the game, it blocks for you.
0: Yeah, I think this card
1: is atrocious. I don't think it's great, but I do think it's tricky to evaluate. I had to pause here when I was like trying to put a letter grade on this one.
0: Yeah, I just feel like does a deck that's trying to get the City's Blessing. I mean, maybe I'm thinking about a send like... Is ascend just like an incidental thing that every deck is going to be looking to get when you have cards with ascend, or is ascend a strategy? Do you have any opinions about that? Do you think like I, I feel like it's a strategy and not something that I just want like to be hoping to get sometimes in a deck?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's more of a strategy for blue and black. Like I'm not particularly excited about it in white. I am excited to like make an ascend
0: a deck in blue black. Exactly. Yeah, I just don't think this has a, a home because. A 1-mana 0-3, like, what was it, Kinjali's Caller in the last format mm-hmm. was so bad. Like, it was, like, fine sometimes for that the ramping effect, but even then you weren't super happy about it, in, in my experience. And this, I just think, like, by the time it's a 3-3, who cares?
1: Yeah, and you might have had the chump block with it before then, anyway, yeah. if you're under a lot of pressure. It does block two twos, which there are a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a card to keep an eye on, but I also don't think it's great. I gave it a D. All
0: right, so the next one, I, very very interesting, because I uh, I had to talk with Chad about this card, um, is Sun Sentinel, one and a white for a 2-2 Human Soldier with Vigilance. So I gave this a D plus. I gave this a C. Okay, so here's my question for you, Ben. Uh-huh. How do you compare this to Queen's Bay Soldier?
1: Mm, slightly better, except it doesn't have a relevant creature type, which is a very real knock against it, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's worse than Queen's Bay Soldier. Really? Just because it
1: doesn't doesn't say Vampire on it.
0: Yeah, and Vigilance on a 2-2 I don't think is really that relevant. Like, maybe if it gets suited up, sure, we can be talking about some stuff. But I just think it's, like, kind of worse than Queen's Bay Soldier. And I think Queen's Bay Soldier was probably a minus C-D+. plus. Like, maybe it made, like, you were wheeling that card. You weren't super happy about taking it before, like, ninth pick.
1: No, I'm not excited about this card at all. I probably should have given it a C minus. I don't like, I'd be willing to go down to D plus. I'm not excited about it at all. I yeah. think it's exactly fine.
0: Like you could play it. You could cut it. Totally. I totally agree. All right. Moving on to the uncommons. This is an interesting card as well. Baffling end, one and a white for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or less. And when it leaves the battlefield, target opponent creates a 3-3 green dinosaur creature token with Trample.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not as excited about this card as you are. I gave it a C plus.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we are not far away. I gave it a B-, so here is why I think it's very good. Okay. Here's why this, is, I think, is a pull into white. So one, we talked about this is going to hit a lot of creatures in the format.
1: Yeah, it hits the average creature in the format. The average, average converted mana cost is three.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't. Unlike things like Vanquish the Weak, it doesn't get punished by creatures getting buffed, right? It only cares about the CMC of the creature. It doesn't care about the power toughness of the creature. Now, I do agree, or I do think that if they do find an answer for Baffling End, you're giving them a creature that's probably better than the thing you exiled. Yeah, it's bad news. The 3-3 green dinosaur token with trample is going to be better than whatever you exiled. I just don't think this is going to get got a lot of the time At least in game one. Well, but there's a lot of stuff that like bounces permanence, right? In blue. A lot of stuff. There's one, there's a common that bounces permanence in blue
1: there's yeah there's
0: crushing top no that's creature yeah i think there's just that's the one in a blue bounce a thing uh expel from Roska. there we
1: it's go one, it's an uncommon one in a blue for an instant uh, it's got to send return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand if you have the city's blessing you can put that permanent on top of its owner's library instead so that punishes us pretty hard it's wait, an uncommon wait,
0: no it doesn't punish it you just replay it and exile the token like how you, you're not getting punished i guess yeah that's fair yeah, I mean, you could get blown out, I guess, in combat like you attack and then they bounce this and they have a 3-3 to block, but... Yeah, and
1: Demystify and Slice and Twain are pretty scary from Ixalan, but pro- probably in general this is going
0: to be good. Yeah, I think this is good removal. I think this I think this is in, in B range. I think I, I, I st- stand by my B minus grade. All right, great. I stand by my C plus. See where
1: it shakes out. All right, moving on. Forerunner of the Legion is next. We've got a big gap here. Yeah. Um, I, I'm hoping I can talk you up. I think you can. Two and a white for a 2-2 two, two vampire knight. When Forerunner of the Legion enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a vampire card, reveal it, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. Whenever another vampire enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. And there's kind of a whole cycle of cards like this for each tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, like Uncommons lets let you search up like a dinosaur or a merfolk or whatever and put it on top of your library. So where, where are we at on this one? All right. So I, I gave this like a C-. minus. And I gave it a build around B minus. I think this card is going to be very, very good in the Vampires deck. So why do you think that? I think that because Anointed Deacons, like the card that makes the Vampire decks tick, and I think Mm -hmm. that's still probably going to be true. And you only get one pack of Deacons now. So having Forerunner from the Rivals of Ixalan pack, being able to search up your Deacon and put it on top, even though it's not card advantage, like... All you ever want to draw when you're playing vampires is Anointed Deacon. So essentially getting a second copy of it out of Rivals of Ixalan is going to be big game, I think.
0: Yeah, that I mean, that makes total sense. I didn't really think about it like that. Yeah, I was just really hung up on the fact that this is so good with tokens, but like we're not really getting many packs of tokens. But even if you get a couple Queens Commission, this card is great also. I mean, you don't get to search it up, but the fact that you get double trigger, right? Because it's when a vampire enters the battlefield under your control, not when it is cast, you also could grab like a Paladin of the blood stain to get that that double action. You can also tutor this like if you have two of these, you can go find that and then like chain them together. This card is like probably a lot better than I thought it was. I I can get down with build around B minus. I I don't even care about the second line of text so much. I just like looking at it as another copy of Anointed Deacon just seems great to me. And then the second line of text is still very good. Maybe it's better than a build around B minus. Or you can search up your first copy of Legion Conquistador. Yeah. And then go draw the other three that you have. Because Legion Conquistador is back, baby. It's back in this uh, set, which I think is great. You're going to get Legion Conquistador more than you did in Triple uh, Xlon because this is a small set. I didn't even think about that. It's going to go up, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. It's going to be great now. Yeah, Legion Conquistador is going to be good. And if, you, if you're if you the only person at the table who wants them, it's going to be sweet. You're going to have a lot of those. Well, it's going to trade with everything because yeah. the creatures are even smaller in this set, too. Wow. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm up on Forerunner of the Legion. Next up, we've got Imperial Ceratops, four and a white for a 3-5 dino within rage. When it's dealt damage, you gain two life. I
1: think we're probably going to have to disagree, agree to disagree on this one. Okay. <laughs> I, I gave this a C. Yeah, I gave this a D. I, I
0: don't care about this
1: card. I think this card's good. It totally brick walls what your opponent is doing when it comes down on the battlefield, like on the ground. You're still vulnerable in the air, I suppose. But like if they're attacking into this, you're gaining two life. Like if they're chump attacking into it, heaven forbid, this is large.
0: Yeah, you might be right. Like maybe I just need to see it in play and then I'll like start groaning. Uh, I just think it's a little too slow and a little off theme of what White is trying to do.
1: Is it? It's Shuhai Nakamura that loves like the. is three of pure bloods was the original, yeah. right? The three five. Yeah. This is that with I think very good upside.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. I don't. Whatever. We'll see. I I think this. I will probably join you in the C range, but this is not what I'm like looking to do in white initially. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's next? Next up, we've got Majestic Heliopterus.
1: Nice. Uh, this, this is three and a white for a 2-2 two, two dinosaur with flying, and when it attacks another target dinosaur creature you control gains flying until end of turn. So like aerial guide that costs one
0: more mana. And is worse. It only targets dinos. Yeah, and only targets dinos. I'm not thrilled about this card. I gave it a C. I think I should probably go like build. I give it a B minus. It's probably like build around B minus because it really only goes, I think, in like a, a dinosaur deck. Um, But if you're white, red or white, green dinos, I think this is going to I'm flying, I think, is the name of the game and giving a big thing flying like a big dino flying is very strong, I think.
1: Interesting. I just think this card's too clunky to really perform because like think how bad like if you're getting beaten down. And you were under pressure, an hour of devastation. Do you remember how bad of a blocker aerial guide was? Yes. You just could never block with it. And this is a whole mana more in a format full of aggressive tutus. I just think it's going to be too big of a downside to really get over the hump.
0: Yeah, that might be right. I didn't think about it quite like aerial guide was in a slower format, and it was like I felt bad about it being a, a bad blocker. And this is a mana more expensive, and its ability. Yeah, maybe it's wrong. I think I maybe it's like a build around C. I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a problem. If you're, It's powerful. Like, I think it's very powerful. I, I don't know. I'm going to stick with Build Around B minus, but I could could uh, could see that this is pretty bad. All right, what do we got next? Next up, we got Pride of Conquerors, one and a white for an instant. With Ascend, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn, but if you have the City's Blessing, they get plus two, plus two until end of turn instead. Yeah, I give this a C minus. I think that because the go wide strategy in white got worse with rivals, I think this card got worse. It is not very exciting like how often did you play rallying roar yeah i liked rallying roar i don't know i like i like but that you kind didn't of take effect. it highly you like i think no i th- I just
1: think this card's fine i give it a c minus i mean i'm not over the moon about it but i think it's playable i think it's a fine combat trick i think there's two for one potential there
0: yeah uh, maybe i mean uh, everything is a pretty flat power level so maybe just plus, plus one is going to be able to to get them enough of the time but i don't know i'm under the moon and i am giving it a d yeah
1: Next up, we've got Sky Marcher Aspirant, single white for a two-one vampire soldier with ascend, and it's got flying as long as you have the city's blessing. So ten or more permanents, and it's got flying. So playable one drop.
0: Yeah, it's fine. I, I like. I, I probably should just give it like a, a D plus. But this is like I don't know how much better is this than the two mana two two with vigilance? Mm,
1: not a lot. I gave it a C again. Probably made the same mistake. Like we should have been D plus C minus.
0: Yeah, D plus C minus. I think we can we can meet in the middle. Sweet. Okay, so that white was our most contentious color, so we'll be going over fewer cards in the future, but let's go ahead and rank those commons, baby. For number three, I had a Luminous Bonds, which is the pacifism, two and a white for the aura, enchanted creature can't attack or block.
1: For my number three, I've got Exultant Sky Marcher, one white, white, for a 2-3 Vampire Soldier with flying.
0: I have Exultant Sky Marcher as my number two common in white. Yeah, so the
1: pacifism didn't crack my top three commons. Uh, My number two is Martyr of Dusk. That's one and a white for the 2-1 Vampire Soldier, and when it dies, you create a 1-1 Vampire with a lifelink.
0: Yeah, this card's very strong. Here's my question for you about Martyr of Dusk. Is it better or worse than Bishop Soldier, and if so, by how much? I think
1: it's worse than Bishop Soldier by, like, a decent margin, but not a lot.
0: I think so, too. Like... Yeah, it's nice, like it's a, a card that sort of makes 3-2 worth of stats, and, and it's probably maybe going to trade with something because it has 2 power, and we, we've been talking about how this is going to be a format of bears, but... Just leaving behind a 1-1 one, one isn't super exciting to me. I, I definitely think this is a very strong card, and it's going to be a high pick, and I think I would rank it as number four in my commons, but definitely want to see where that shakes out if, if Martyr of Dusk ends up being better than the Sky Marcher in this format. Yeah, it looks, it looks good to me. Yeah. At number one, I went full beard here. I've got the Aura, Squire's Devotion, two and a white, Enchant Creature, Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus one, and has lifelink, and when it enters the battlefield, you create a 1-1 one, one white vampire creature token with lifelink. I also have that at number one. That card is insane. Yeah. I just can't believe it. It's uh, it's the white cartouche, but with lifelink. It's so good. It's completely busted. This is the best common aura, I think. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I think one of the best commons overall. Yes, I think so too. And, and it is the card that leads me to believe that Beard is going to be alive and well.
1: Yeah, I, no arguments there. That card is bonkers.
0: Uh, at uncommon, we're only going to rank two uncommons here in white. I have Baffling End at number two, which is the the one in a white enchantment we talked about that exiles something that's three CMC or less, and then when it leaves, they get a three-three dino token with trample.
1: In number two, I've got everdawn champion it's one white white for a 2-2 human soldier and it says prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to everdawn champion so if your opponent wants this off the battlefield they've got to have a removal spell
0: a removal spell yeah and, and or a bounce spell i guess right like yeah this card i think is another th- reason that i think beard is alive and well because this wears auras incredibly powerfully like just because it's immune in combat so i gave everdawn champion my number one nod for uncommons
1: nice my number one is forerunner of the legion so Ooh. the vampire the vampire build around that we talked about i think just going and getting an anointed deacon is going to
0: be insanely
1: powerful that
0: card is looks really really strong to me yeah i like it all right moving on to blue we've only got a couple of uh cards we wanted to discuss where we had contentious grades none in the common slot i think we're pretty pretty lined up in, in how we felt about blue's commons and i think an you know, overall thought is Blue is pretty strong. I think blue is the, the front runner for me for for the best color here. Yeah, blue looks real, real good. Um, the first card we wanted to look at was Aquatic Incursion. We talked about this in the uh, Mana Sinks portion. This is three and a blue for the enchantment. It makes two, one, one merfolk tokens with hexproof, and it has three and a blue. Target merfolk can't be blocked this turn. I gave this like a build around, but a build around D. I'm not very excited about this card. I mean, it just seems very, very slow. Like, 4 mana for 2-2 two, two worth of power. Toughness is not good, Hexproof is nice with wearing, you know, equipment or or enhancements. And the target merfolk can't be blocked is nice, but it's again very, very expensive. I don't think there's time for this in this format. It's expensive,
1: yeah. I, I think it's gonna boil down to how good the the four mana for target murfolk can't be blocked this turn is. Because I think that you're not crazy excited about four mana for two one one murfolks with hexproof, but I, I am excited about the target murfolk can't be blocked this turn. Merfolk wants to push through damage and this does it in a big way.
0: Yeah, except like there's not big Merfolk, so it's like four mana Deal three damage, maybe?
1: Well, but Merfolk, you're trying to make one big threat, right? It's kind of a Voltron type thing. You're trying to put a one with the wind on. You're trying to land a River Herald's Boon. And then this leaves around, when you cast this, it leaves behind two chump blockers that, like, lets you spend your turns, like, using four mana to make something that with three or four power unblockable.
0: That's fair. Uh, What what do we got to take a look at next?
1: Next up, we've got Flood of Recollection. This is blue blue for a sorcery. Return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Exile Flood of Recollection.
0: Isn't this just like a standard card, like a constructed card?
1: Uh, I don't know. Like if you've got a removal heavy deck, having a second copy of your best removal spell could be okay.
0: I'm so surprised that you like this, but I had to like try and convince you that regrowth is good in cube. Yeah, well, you convinced me and now I'm a little more on board the train. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just like, how many good incense and sorceries do you need in your deck before this is playable? A lot. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's probably in the D range. You're right. I'll, I'll go D with you. All right, great. We're going D. Uh, last card we wanted to look at was Slippery Scoundrel, two and a blue for a 2-2 human pirate with ascend, And as long as you have the city's blessing, it has hexproof and can't be blocked. I like this card. I gave it a C+. I am not thrilled about it. I gave it a C-. Three mana
1: 2-2 is not where I want to be because if you're behind having to block with your three mana 2-2 when your opponent spent one or two mana on their 2-2 is not good.
0: Well, they're very rarely spending one
1: mana on their two two. I don't know. There's a lot of one drops that are like playable. I think.
0: Yeah, I guess yeah, there's the black common. I was just thinking about the uncommons. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's a fair point. But if your blue black ascend deck exists, this is going to be great. Like when it, once it's hexproof and can't be blocked, just slap a whatever Squire's devotion on there. Gain me three life a turn. My argument to that would be that once you've gotten to the point where you've got
1: Ascend, you should have won the game, right? Like, if you've managed to stabilize and have 10 permanents, it doesn't matter what card you use. So, like, having a pure win condition doesn't sound great to me. Like, this this falls in the, like, the 3 and a blue for the 3-2 unblockable merfolk. Uh, what was that from
0: Ixalan? Oh, yeah. Um,
1: I can't think the of the name Storm of it. Storm Sculptor. Storm Sculptor, yeah. Like, this falls in the Storm Sculptor category to me, like, where I I don't really want that card as my win condition, my control deck. I want cards
0: that help me play defense and are a win condition, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe I can go go down a little bit on it. I'm just just too excited about, about Hexproof and Can't Be Blocked as a, as a win con for a blue deck, but maybe it won't need it. Blue is, as we will see when we rank our commons, is blisteringly fast. Yes. All right, shall we get to the ranking, sir? Let's do it. I'll start it off. Yeah. At number
1: three, I've got Crashing Tide. Two and a blue for a sorcery. Crashing Tide has flash as long as you control a merfolk. Return target creature to its owner's hand. Draw a card. This card is going to be tempo aggro city.
0: Yeah, this is gross. Like, even if it didn't have that first line of text, just like sorcery speed, bounce a creature, draw a card is great. And then the fact that sometimes it'll be an instant, it'll just be straight up repulse, two and a blue, bounce something, draw a card is... Just like one for one, two for one city. It's very, very, very strong. I definitely, I also had that as my number three blue common.
1: All right, moving on to number two. I've got Deadeye Rig Hauler. This is three and a blue for the three, two human pirate, the uh, War pirate. It's got a raid trigger when it enters the battlefield. If you attack with the creature this turn, you may return target creature to its owner's hand.
0: Yeah. So I think an important distinction is, is that this, unlike War, which allowed tempo like pre-combat. This can't do it, right? This is not bouncing a blocker out of the way. So hopefully you're just like cracking in with your flyers and evasive threats and then post-combat bouncing this for severe tempo loss for your opponent. But this is just so, so strong, I think. Yeah, I think if we're wrong about a card, or do you have this as number two also? I do, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think if we're wrong about a card, I think this is the one we're most likely to be wrong about. Yes. because It does cost four mana, and it's got raid, and it is like the post-combat thing is very real. But it still is such a powerful effect that even it being post-combat, I think, is still worthwhile. Because blue's got so many evasive threats.
0: Yep, I think so, too. What do you got for number one? Number
1: one, I've got Kite Sail Corsair. Speaking of evasive threats, this is one and a blue for a 2-1 human pirate. And it's got flying as long as it's attacking
0: yep i had this is number one too this card is great this is what Welcome turn is back two mana two one flyer this is like as flying as long as it's attacking it's great because that's all it's going to be doing is attacking yep. yep yeah this is very very strong and those three cards just like i'm like drooling with how like aggressive and tempo based blue is going to be the value there is just so strong yep uh uncommon what do you got
1: At uncommon in second place, I've got Siren Reaver, three and a blue for the three, two Siren Pirate with a raid trigger costs one less to cast if you attack with a creature this turn. So three mana for a three, two flyer. If you trigger raid,
0: just rock, rock, rock solid. Yep. I also have this as number two.
1: Uh, And number one, I've got Silvergill Adept, one and a blue for a two, one Merfolk wizard as an additional cost to cast it, reveal a Merfolk card from your hand or pay three. And when Silvergill Adept enters the battlefield,
0: draw a card. I went full beard here, Ben, and I gave top marks to curious obsession, which is a single blue for an aura enchant creature, When Enchanted enchanted Creature gets plus one plus one and has whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card, and at the beginning of your end step, if you didn't attack with a creature this turn, sacrifice Curious Obsession. Card's real good. Yeah, I think this card is obscenely powerful. It's so cheap. You have control of when you cast this, so you are going to get a card's worth of value when you cast this. Yes, it is dead when you are on the back foot because it's like going to fall off, at your end step if you didn't attack with a creature this turn so if you're not able to attack with a creature effectively this is a dead draw essentially but i think that is outweighed by how incredibly powerful this is like at parity or when you're behind or when you're ahead yeah i gave this my honorable mention i think it's very strong also so i think the first big question we need
1: to answer for the format is how good are auras and i think if they're i think if they're great like if this really is an enhancement where auras are still good this card's gonna be insane i was hedging a little bit i think the removal's a lot better um, but you're not... This is good because you're not going to get two for one, right? Because you're going to get your card back right? when you connect with it the first time. And then if they don't have an answer, you just run away with the game. Yeah. It's very
0: strong. Pop this down on on some evasive threat. Hold up negate. GG. I, I'm excited about this card. All right. Moving on to black. Just a couple cards we wanted to talk about here. Uh, the first one is Dusk Charger. This is three and a black for a 3-3 horse with a send and dusk charger gets plus two plus two as long as you have the city's blessing so if you have a send if you have the city's blessing it's a four mana five five do you remember the card balduvian horde oh gosh what what set is that from
1: it's from alliances (laughs) no two red red for a five five and when it enters the battlefield you had to discard a card and it was like bonkers good like i remember putting my balduvian horde like in a plastic sleeve in a hard case (laughs) like (laughs) I can just look at this dust charger, a common, it's
0: laughable. So yeah, I gave us a C. Where'd you end up on a grade wise? I gave it a D plus and maybe I should think about it more like build around. Cause I think again, like in the Esper or in the blue, yeah, if there's an Esper ascend deck, blue, black, or, or black, white, I think this is a really good card, but I guess you don't, I, I feel like my reasoning of giving it a D plus is like, you're going to get this card if you're in that deck. I don't think this is going to be a contested common.
1: No, I agree. I agree it's not a contested common at all. But the other thing I like about it is a 4-mana 3-3, I think, blocks way better than normal, too. Because everything, all the threats are like 2-2s. And granted, a lot of them have evasion and whatnot. But I think a 3-3 matches up fairly well against the format and helps you get to the late game. And then once you get to the late game, it becomes your win condition.
0: Yeah, that's true. I could see get getting higher on this card if it if it becomes more, more contested. But for now, I think I'll just stick with maybe, maybe I'm going to come up to C. I'll, I'll give it a C minus. Yeah, C minus sounds good to me. All right, what other card do we want to look at here?
1: Sadistic Sky Marcher. This is an uncommon. Sadistic Sky Marcher is two in a black for a two-two Vampire Soldier. As an additional cost to cast it, reveal a Vampire card from your hand or pay one. So if you don't have a Vampire, it costs four total, and it's two-two for a flying Life Linker.
0: Yeah, I think this card is really strong, even if without the Vampire clause. I think four mana for a 2-2 two, two Flying Lifelink is something you are happy to play in this format.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be very good. I think it's, I gave it a build around B. I think it's a B if you're casting it for three and probably like a B minus or something if you're casting it for four, but you do not need to be a vampire deck to put this card in your deck.
0: Yeah, for sure. I don't, I think it's not a build around. So I was telling you that I listened to the Men From Moto podcast there, they sort of did an overview of a handful of cards and they didn't like this in non-vampire decks. And I was surprised by that because I think it's really strong. Like it's like one with the wind and Mark of the Vampire all wrapped in one on one pretty little creature. Yeah, it's strong. Yeah, I, I think this, this card is, is going to be a, a high pick and just like a, a, a reason to go into black, which I don't think there are a lot of reasons to go into black. That's interesting. Yeah, you're lower on black than I am. Yeah, well, let's let's look at our common and uncommon rankings here. Yeah. So for black, I was struggling. I think the first two slots are pretty easy to come up with. I was struggling for my third common here because black's creatures are not super exciting to me. I landed on Dusk Legion Zealot, which is one and a black for a 1-1 vampire soldier. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and lose a life. Yeah, that's where
1: I ended up also. It was tough to find a, a card for slot number three. I, th- I was between Dust Legion Zealot, the card we just mentioned, and Fathom Fleet Border, which is yeah. two and a black for a 3-3 three, three orc pirate. When it enters the battlefield, you lose two life unless you control another pirate. Three mana, 3-3 three, three strong. Um, so it could be possible that Fathom Fleet Border is better than Dust Legion Zealot. But I, I just remember Elvish Visionary being so good. And this mm-hmm. has a relevant creature type also. Yes, you mm-hmm. lose life. I don't think that's going to be that relevant because vampires have life gain. So I think vampires are going to be very interested in a 2-mana 1-1 one, one that, like, cantrips.
0: And also a cantripping permanent is good for ascend. And this is in like the color that wants to be ascending.
1: Yeah, I think I like this at number three. And I think the question is going to be how good is it? Like how game impacting is it? Is it just going to be like, "Eh, you got a little bit of value? Or is it actually going to end up being a good
0: card? Uh, Number two, I voted down the clunky removal spell uh, impale got my number two slot. That's two black black for the sorcery destroy target creature. I joined you there with that on number two. And then Moment of Craving, this is a card I think is going to be a powerhouse. One and a black for the instant. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. You gain two life.
1: Yeah, the card's going to be great. I have that number one pretty easily also.
0: Uh, for the uncommons here, uh, my second uncommon I had, my boy, Sadistic sky marcher, the lifelinking flying vampire.
1: I did not that did not crack my uncommon rankings and I'm probably wrong about that I don't know we'll see no I think I think you're right I think you're right I really love this other card that I've got at number two I've got golden demise that's one black black uh, for the minus two minus two wrath that we talked about earlier and then if you've got ascend it's a one-sided wrath so all your opponents creatures get minus two minus two until end of turn I really have a strong feeling that this is going to spawn a control archetype and is going to be a very high pick and a reason to go into that control archetype
0: yeah for sure and then no contest for number one Uh, the Best uncommon in the set by a wide, wide margin. Ravenous Chupacabra, two black, black, two, two, Beast Horror. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. Necrotal is back. Oh my god. Necrotal, it's better than Necrotal. This costs the same as the removal spell. Like, it's just the removal spell we just talked about, a common with a tutu attached to it. Yeah. It's insanely good.
1: I give us like an A minus or something.
0: And I so I think uh, so I have black pegged as a pretty weak color based on its commons and I think this is a strong reason to go into it and then you just like go all in on like trying to value out Ravenous Chupacabra. You draft recovers highly. That's the two in a black like raised dead effect draw card. You get some of those Sirens Ruses from the last pack like I think you're going to be really be wanting to value people out with your your Chupacabra.
1: Yeah, I'm less down on black than you are. Uh, I think it's fine. I think black's going to be good. And I'm mostly I'm excited about black as a control color.
0: I hope you're right, man. I hope there is this like blue-black Ascend deck. That'll be super fun.
1: Moving on to red. Cards we need to check out. First one here is buccaneer's bravado this is going to be an interesting one Mm -hmm. buccaneer's bravado is one and a red for an instant you have two options choose one target creature gets plus one plus one and gains first strike until end of turn or target pirate gets plus one plus one and gains double strike until end of turn
0: yeah so i'm higher on this card than you i give it a c plus and i give it a c minus So, I think I gotta talk you up here, right? I think this is like kind of like an enhancement. It just harkens back. The second mode, uh, certainly. So, maybe I should think about it more like a build around, because I'm very excited about the second mode. Target pirate gets plus one plus one and gains double strike until end of turn. This is going to be so annoying. To have your opponent cast on an unblocked creature especially in an aggressive deck it's looking a lot like red is trying to be pretty aggressive with pirates and in, in a red black build especially or red blue i think like you think back to like what was it uh team or battle rage which which gave a, a sort of similar effect right wasn't that plus plus one and, and double strike to a creature yeah. that card was a house in the format it was in and yeah this is a little narrower so maybe you need to think about it like a build around but in a pirate deck i think this is a really high pick
1: yeah, I think I think you're probably right about it, and even, especially if you've got an evasive pirate wearing a pirate's cutlass, heaven forbid. Oh, God. I think you're probably right. I'll, I'll join you in C+. Plus.
0: Yeah, sweet. We got him. Next up, we wanted to take a look at Orozca Raptor. This is 2 red red for a 3-4 dinosaur with flavor text. No reach to be found on our 4-mana 3-4 dinosaur this time around. So I'm a full letter grade higher than you on this card. I gave it a C. I gave it a D, and I stand by that. This looks horribad to me. No, this is bigger than, like, everything in the format. This is such good... Like, this is g- a good vanilla creature. This is a big boy. This is gonna come down and brick wall some stuff.
1: Yeah... I'm just not convinced. You're going to tap out for this creature, and then they're going to play a combat trick. It's going to block. They're going to play a combat trick on their 2-2, and that's going to be the end of a Roscaraptor, and you're going to be tempoed out. I don't think this card's great. I could be convinced to come up to D+, but that's about it. That's
0: fair. I'm, sp- I'm like You gave like the... Two two vigilance for two, a C or whatever, and you're so mad about a four mana three four, it's so big. I like that two mana two two way more than I like this card. Alright. I mean, I don't I think this is like kind of off theme for red, but I think this is gonna be I think this is gonna be just fine. Alright. Next up we've got Needletooth Raptor. Oh my god, I love this card. Yeah, Needletooth Raptor is three and a red for a
1: two-two dinosaur. It's got the Enrage trigger. We talked about this earlier. When it's dealt damage, it deals five damage to target creature and
0: opponent controls. You give this a B plus. I give it a B minus. So I probably don't need to like y- you know why this card is good, right? Like I don't need to like talk you up on it. I just think like at worst this is gonna one for one with something, right? At worst, it's a one for one for something. Like you'll maybe you have to like chump block something and then deal five damage to a big thing and then you'll 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 kill that big thing. That's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario is, like, you do some, like, enraged shenanigans. If you ever activate this twice, good god, if you are able to trade off with, like, you trade this for an X2 and then deal 5 damage to something else, which doesn't seem that crazy to me, I think this is going to make combat miserable for your opponent when it's on your side of the battlefield. I think it's really, really strong and really tough to play around. Like, yeah, sometimes they just go, kill spell, it's gone. Even then, you one for one with their removal spell. Exactly. That's 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 the worst case scenario. And you're... Pro- and you're like probably mana neutral unless they're like vanquish the weakening it or whatever. Like and even though that's that's still just one mana less. Like I just think this card is very very strong. Yeah, you're
1: going to be jamming Riles in your deck if you've got Needle Tooth Raptor. Oh yeah, uh the Wrath that cantrips is going to go in your deck if you've got Needle Tooth Raptor. There's a lot of cards in the set that work with this card. I do think it's strong. I'll I'll come up to a B. Sweet.
0: Next up we've got Pirates Pillage. It's three in red for sorcery. As an additional cost to cast it, discard a card. And then you draw two cards and create two treasure tokens. Yeah, I gave this a D minus. Oh, I think this this is, it's Tormenting Voice. Yeah, for four mana. Yeah, but like, so? Like, Tormenting Voice was never a turn two, it was not often a turn two play anyway. And you certainly probably don't want it as a turn two play in this format. I disagree. I think tormenting
1: voice was a turn two play because it lets you find it fixed your hand, right? It lets you if you were flooded, it lets you pitch a land and draw action. And if you needed lands, it lets you pitch a card and find lands. I disagree. I think tormenting voice is much better than pirates pillage.
0: All right, that's fair. But this is I think in this format, you don't have time for that. So if this did cost two mana, I think you wouldn't be casting it until later turns anyway. Like if there's a, I feel like this is only really good if there's like a, no, I think it's still fine in like red green dinosaurs. Like it's good if you want the treasures too, but red doesn't really want like city's blessing stuff that often. So you'd have to have it paired with like black, but I think red black is going to be aggressive. I don't know. Like, I'm not crazy about this card. I still have it in the D range. I just think like one of these as your 23rd card is not like the most embarrassing thing.
1: I, I don't think I'm ever going to play this card. It's worse oh, than Pirate's Prize. I'm Definitely
0: I... going to cast this card. <laughs> We'll You're see. You're definitely going to cast this card. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I might just never cast it out of spite. <laughs> Great. And your win rate will plummet because you're not playing Garbage Tormenting, boys. <laughs> All right. Ranking of the top red commons here. I have Swaggering Corsair as my number three. That's the uh, two in a red, two, two, human pirate with raid. Gets a plus one, plus one counter on it if you attack with the creature this turn.
1: Yeah, that didn't crack my top common rankings. I was not crazy excited about that card. It seems a little clunky. It's good if you trigger raid and it's a three mana, three, three, but... That's not like insane. I went with the beard plan and I gave Tillinalee's crown the number three slot. That's one in a red for an enchantment aura, uh, enchant creature. When Tillinalee's crown enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to enchanted creature and enchanted creature gets plus three plus oh and has trample. So can trigger and rage on your dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. You can't put it on an X one because it will kill it,
0: but you can put it on your opponent's X ones and kill them.
1: You could. Yeah. Kills X ones on the opponent's side of the battlefield and hits hard. Plus three plus oh and trample is like a serious stat boost of power. Now, the bummer is that it doesn't boost toughness at all. Yeah. Like we talked about with the enhancements a little bit, but I think this is a strong card and it's going to close some games out if your opponent doesn't have removal. There are a lot of evasive two drops.
0: Yeah, I think this card is very good. I was a little less excited about it. Like this would be my number four slot but i was a little less excited about this because of the the no boost to toughness but you put this on an evasive threat the problem is putting it on an evasive threat is tough because a lot of evasive threats are small like you can't put this on the two mana two one flyer in blue right like you you got to put this on on something a little beefier than that yep yeah uh i have a different beard strategy for my number two slot i went buccaneer's bravado that's the the combat trick we talked about that gives a pirate plus two plus two and double strike until end of turn uh or uh, uh, just a creature plus plus one and first strike until end of turn.
1: Yeah, I could be convinced that that's number three. Uh, that that might be better than Till and Ollie's Crown, especially after a discussion. Yeah. That's interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. Sure. What'd you have for number two? Number two, I had Goblin Trailblazer. I think this card's going to be rock solid. It's yeah. one red for a two one Goblin Pirate with Menace. So an evasive two drop pirate hits all the boxes you want from your two drop.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that that might be the best red creature uh over corsair we'll just have to see like how much just like being a two drop is super super relevant uh, and then i assume we're in agreement on number one bombard two and a red for the instant deal four damage to target creature yep yeah this this card's very very efficient what do you have for your red uncommons
1: red uncommons number two i've got reckless rage this card's interesting single red for an instant it deals four damage to target creature you don't control so flame slash there at instant speed and two damage to target creature you do control. So you've got to have, like, an X3 on your side of the battlefield to not two for one yourself with this card.
0: Or you can respond to a removal spell.
1: You could, yes. Mm
0: -hmm. I think this card's really interesting and, I think, a very, very strong card. I had to just go Beard here, and I gave C-Red my number two slot. One and a red for the enchantment aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature has plus two, plus two, plus plus two, plus one, and first strike. And at the beginning of your end step, if you didn't attack with a creature this turn, you sacrifice C-Red. So I have a question
1: for you. How much better than this, than Tillinoli's crown, the plus three, plus plus and trample, do you think this is?
0: Uh, a lot better. Why? Because first strike makes it really hard to block this.
1: Yeah, like you don't need to have an evasive threat that you're putting it on?
0: Right. Like, yeah, I just feel like this, this begs your opponent to double block and get blown out by something, you know? Um, I think like you're, it makes combat really tough. I think this might even in some ways be better than the the blue one that I'm super high on just because I don't know how they're blocking what you put this on. Yeah, they're probably not. They probably have to have a removal spell. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's really, really good. It's certainly a strong card,
1: yeah. I would not be surprised if this ends up cracking my top uncommons. Number one, I've got a Needle Tooth
0: Raptor, our 2-2 friend that does five damage. Yep, me too. I'm really excited about that card. All right, moving on to green. We do have a few cards to talk about here, Ben. And you know what the first one is? Your boy, Hunt the Weak three and a green for a sorcery put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control then that creature fights target creature you don't control
1: yeah i am super excited about hunt the week uh i gave this a b plus
0: you had to sell me on this card i, I could be convinced that it's in b minus range maybe but i just gave it a c plus like i think this card's very good and maybe it's a pull into green but the flat power level of all, all the creatures doesn't make me crazy about this well so here, here's what i think i think it's an enhancement
1: and a removal spell rolled into one like you're interested in buffing your creatures in this format turning your two two into a three three is going to make it so that your opponent probably has to double block it to kill it in the future you're taking a creature off their side of the battlefield and making yours into a better threat fight spells that have pumped power and toughness historically have been very very strong this is green's only removal spell and i think it's probably I- i've got it pegged as the best removal spell in the format
0: no way what do you th- what no do you think is way. what do you
1: think is better than this
0: I think I mean I think the two black removal spells are better than this. I think bombard is better than this.
1: I disagree that bombard is better than this and I could I could maybe be convinced that the two mana minus 2 minus 2 gain 2 life is better than this, but I think this card's going to be a house.
0: But so we are dealing only in common and uncommon territory here Ben. There's going to be bombs in the format that we have to deal with. So like Hunt the Week is I guess it's like, but even the even the black spell, the the moment of craving is instant, so you can treat it sort of like a combat trick. Also, this I think is ex- it's expensive. Four mana is uh, is a lot. It's a little clunky. It's only sorcery speed. You have to have something. You it has a, a setup cost. Like you have to have something that you can uh, profitably fight with. You have to have them tapped out, so you're not getting blown out by something. I think there's a lot more going on here, and, like, yeah, the, like, great scenario where, like, I have a 2-2, you have a 2-2, you're tapped out, we fight, I get to attack for three, now my creature's bigger, that's great, um, but I think there's a lot more downside to this card than you're giving it. Yeah,
1: I, I'm i certainly looking at the best case scenario, like, I've got a little bit of a case of BCSM here, that's historically mm-hmm. been my my weak point <laughs> as a magic player, <laughs> Yeah, but... I think the upside is huge. This just looks like Savage Stomp to me, and it's only one more mana. And Savage Stomp was busted in Ixalan, and I think that type of effect's going to continue to be very good here.
0: But I think when Savage Stomp, when you had to pay the full mana, I think it was kind of a bummer and this is really I, re- I remember feeling a little tempoed out when i had to do that
1: i never felt bummed about paying for savage tomp at any cost
0: <laughs> but you were playing them almost always in dinosaur decks
1: i was yeah i was paying one mana for it frequently yeah maybe yeah. i'm maybe i'm looking at it with rose-colored glasses it's certainly possible but i'm gonna i'm gonna start the format out by picking hunt the Week very highly
0: i could be convinced to pull this up to be minus but i'm gonna st- i'm gonna stick at c plus here the next card jade bearer single green for a one one merfolk shaman when jade bearer enters the battlefield you put a plus one one counter on another target Merfolk you control. Have you gone full Ryan sacks on me? How did you give this a build around C? Uh I think
1: it's gonna be very good in Merfolk. It's one mana for 2-2 two, two worth of stats. It's gonna leave around a body that you're interested in putting enhancements on at a very little cost and pushing through your Merfolk pushing through damage, like turning your 2-2 two, two into a 3-3 three, three and enabling attack. It's going to be very strong, I think.
0: But you can't play it's a 1 1 you can't play on turn one.
1: Yeah, I'm aware it's going to let you double spell on turn three, though.
0: Uh, I think that I think this card is very weak. I'm going to stick with D. Uh, I'll be I'm curious, and if this card is good, then there's just like no hope for Dirtle, I think. Like, if yeah, if this this guy is, is is good, I think uh, I think we're in trouble with his not being an aggressive format, but I'm going to stick with D. I
1: don't think it's good. I give it a build around C. I think in a merfolk deck, this card's going to perform.
0: Yeah. Last card we want to take a look at. What, what, what's that one?
1: Horazka Frillback. That's two and a green for a four, two dinosaur. Stop. So it's just Frenzied Raptor. Yeah. And I thought Frenzied Raptor was fine. I gave this a C.
0: Yeah, I thought, I, I guess I'm thinking of like fine as like, I don't know. I was never really excited about Frenzied Raptor in any of the decks. Like it, it made the cut when I was playing like white, red. It made the cut when I was playing red, green, maybe. But I was never really taking it super highly. So I just gave it a D plus it's
1: probably c minus d plus i think thinking of that i fell in love with the till and night thrash of raptors Uh book ending frenzied raptors so i think this is probably going to be less good because there's less till and and thrash of raptors floating around
0: right like what are the like you have a dinosaur in play payoffs and they don't seem seem pretty high
1: Yeah, no, there are not a lot. Uh,
0: A couple uncommons to take a look at. Cherished Hatchling. This card is weird. Uh, One and a green for a 2-1 dino. When it dies, you may cast dinosaur spells this turn as though they had flash, and whenever you cast a dinosaur spell this turn, it gains when this creature enters the battlefield, you may have it fight another target creature. Yeah, give us a build around B-minus. So this card, I think, is basically just a two mana two one. Why do you say that? So this dying is most often, I think, going to be at the whim of your opponent, in which case, like, they are sort of in control of when this dies, so that if you attack with it, I guess it could sort of be, uh, have sort of unblockable on it, because your opponent doesn't want to get blown out by your second main phase dinosaur, but I think... It's going to be really hard for you to be able to kill this with some sort of enraged trigger or, or like a rile effect or something like that and then get the bonus. And I think this is going to make people misplay a lot, like maybe not you or, or me, but I think people are going to get kind of cute and like not cast their dinosaur on their turn and hope and just like pass with mana up and hope to be able to like block and flash in. I, I think this is just there's a lot going on here and it mostly just reads two mana two one. Uh, you, you actually convinced me
1: you I think your opponent having control over when this dying makes it significantly worse than I had in my brain, so i'm gonna i'm gonna join you at C all right uh what's next next up we've got oh. the card I'm most likely to be wrong about i think <laughs> yeah. this is this is but i i just i I've had a trend of loving these cards i got keep i gotta keep being their champion eventually i'm gonna be right uh, strength of the pack this is four green green for a sorcery. Put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. This is our biggest gap of the whole set. Yeah. I gave this a B minus.
0: I gave this a D plus.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let me try to tell you why I think it's good. So it's similar to an overrun effect, right? Overrun was traditionally a good card, and the bonus sticks around. Now, it doesn't give trample, but it's probably going to force some chump blocks. And Merfolk, I think, does really want to go wide. In this format, there's a lot of 1-1 hexproof Merfolk tokens running around various places. And if you've got, like, three creatures in play, this is very good. Six mana for six plus one plus one counters is strong, I think. Now, granted, there's going to be times when this does nothing, which is probably why I'm too high on it. I think the truth about this card is probably going to be somewhere in the middle, and it's going to settle more in the C range.
0: Yeah, I think what you said is is correct about it being basically a merfolk card. Like, I think it's interesting that dinosaurs are in the art, but I, I think merfolk is the the tribe that seems to be going wide, at least in Rivals of Ixalan. And so if you do have a, a number of, of little, little hexproof wieners hanging around, then suiting them up with two counters is going to be great. But like... Remember how high we were on Overcome in Hour of Devastation and how bad that card was? But it would have been good if it was counters. I don't know. I mean, it would have been it would have been better. It would have been better, but I don't know if it would have been good. Yeah, maybe it's just a C, but I think, I think I'm going to lose to this card probably, but I don't know if that's going to... I don't know how, how often that's going to have to happen for me to be convinced that it's good. I'm going to go C plus on it. It's so expensive, too. It's a whole mana more than Overcome. It is expensive, yeah, but it's strong. It's a good effect if
1: you're... But it's kind of a little win more... I don't know. C, C+, somewhere around there. It's tough to evaluate.
0: Tough to evaluate, for sure.
1: Certainly very powerful in certain situations and terrible in others.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Our last contentious card here is Herd Migration. One and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield, tap to then shuffle your library. But this is that cycle of cards where you have to reveal a dinosaur card from your hand when you cast it, or pay one. So if you reveal a dinosaur, it's straight-up rampant growth. If not, it's a three-mana rampant growth.
1: Yeah, I give us a build around C+. I don't think you're putting this in a deck that doesn't have a high dinosaur count, but I think yeah. in a deck with a high dinosaur count, it's going to be good.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably right. I, I just gave it a C-, but build it really probably does have a build around grade. You're only playing this in a deck where you can reliably cast it for two hopefully so i think that's right build around c plus sounds good to me yeah it doesn't doesn't make me want to play dinosaurs but if i'm in a dinosaur deck will be a welcome addition to my deck yeah for sure all right last color rankings here well i'm sorry ben i put hunt the week at number three
1: oof that hurts my heart
0: i'm probably wrong
1: at number three i've got guilt grove stalker this is one and a green for a two one merfolk warrior and it can't be blocked by creatures with power two
0: or less yeah i am very excited about that card as we will see from my rankings <laughs> uh number two i had jungle born pioneer this car seems sweet to me two and a green for a two two merfolk scout when it enters the battlefield you create a one one blue merfolk token with hex proof so three mana for three power and toughness worth of stats
1: yeah no drawbacks or funny shenanigans like the red and the black three drop had just straight up like and it's spread across two bodies which i think is going to be better than than not mm-hmm. yeah and then number one uh i've got hunt the weak you're number three and at number
0: one you've got i've got guilt stalker yeah Guildgrove Stalker seems like one of the crazy good attackers we've got in the format. So the 2-mana two 2-1, two it can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less. So that means, like, probably for the first few turns, it's just unblockable. And then by the time you suit it up with something, it has to be blocked. Like, it can't be double blocked, right? Like... You're not getting blown out by them like jamming a bunch of blockers in front of it because they're probably only going to have like one thing, in which case like you suited it up. Maybe then you get to blow them out with a combat trick. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking way too best case scenario for this card like you are with Hunt the Weak, but this seems (laughs) really grown testy to me.
1: Yeah, it's going to be strong. Like this, this getting enhanced is very, very good.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, it can't be blocked by half the things, right?
1: Yeah, over half the creatures. Yeah
0: should be good. All right, for Uncommons, I think I think we're in agreement here. I had uh, Swift Warden as my number two. That's uh, one green green for a 3-3 Merfolk Warrior with Flash. And when it enters the battlefield, target Merfolk you control gains Hexproof until end of turn.
1: Yep, I also have that at number two. Card is very, very tricksy.
0: What'd you have for number one?
1: Number one, this card is bonkers. Crested Herd Collar, three green green for a three three dinosaur with trample. And when it enters the battlefield, create a three three green dinosaur creature token with trample. So two three three trample bodies for five mana. That is absurd.
0: This is absurd. Like, why did they decide that Registrar Alpha needed to be one color and at uncommon? Yeah, I have no idea. <sighs> it's just one one less than red. And it, it itself has trample. Registrar Alpha didn't have trample itself. Oh, man. Yeah, card is busted good. All right, any overall thoughts that we, we haven't haven't touched on here before we wrap things up? Uh, I would like to take a look at a colorless
1: card that we haven't really talked about yet. Oh, great. We differed here quite a bit. Uh, this is Strider Harness.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: This is an equipment. uh costs three mana, and it gives equipped creature plus one, plus one in haste, uh, and it's got equip one. So I think this is going to be close to as strong as Pirate's Cutlass in the new format. I give this a B minus. Where did you end up on it?
0: I gave it a C, but I was like, it, this also might be due to the fact that I was doing my set review on stream because I was having to like defend this card heavily to chat. I was like, oh, no, really? this is good. This is going to be good. So maybe that, that's why I landed on C.
1: Yeah, I think for the same reasons that Pirate's Cutlass was good, this is going to be good. It's one less power, but I don't think Pirate's Cutlass was insane because it gave two power. It was insane because it was a place to put your mana and it made your like vanilla creature into something relevant. So turning a 2-2 into a 3-3 in this format probably means it's going to have to be double blocked. So I think it's going to enable attacks for your 2-2s that otherwise wouldn't have attacks and like giving haste in the late game. There are no mana sinks in the format as we discussed earlier in the stats section. There are three mana sinks. So being able to pay one... To make something better and potentially give a top deck haste, your opponent's gonna have to respect this card on defense because they're never gonna know when you're gonna have a creature right. that you're gonna yeah. give haste to. Like so, threat of activation is real, and I think just plus one, plus one matters in the format. And I think you're probably gonna be able to afford to spend three mana to play this equipment. I think it's gonna be really strong, and I think it's gonna be close to as good as Pirate's Cutlass was.
0: Yeah, great. I yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm happy to give this a B minus. Yeah, it just looks so if if, if we're going
1: to be right, if the format's similar to Ixalan and if it's yes. if, if it's not, we'll probably be wrong. But based on the stats we compiled, the format's looking similar to Ixalan with the exception of the removal being cheaper and more efficient and more prevalent, I think.
0: But this doesn't make me that scared about that. Like, no,
1: not at all. That's why I think this. that's out. why I think this is especially good, because it's a way to enhance your stuff that you're not getting blown out by removal.
0: Absolutely. Oh, boy. So that's it, huh? That's it. Yeah. All the commons and uncommons. All right. Well, I feel super prepared to hop into those pre-release queues on Magic Online on Thursday, and uh, maybe go to an IRL pre-release this weekend. Uh, I definitely just am jonesing to draft it rather than do sealed because I I don't feel like I feel like we're only thinking about these cards in the context of draft. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if sealed is like markedly slower or not. Because one of the things we actually didn't talk about was but how prevalent fixing is in the format, right? Like there's Evolving Wilds at Common and Traveler's Amulet at Common, which are like colorless fixers that allow you to go search up basic lands from your deck. Yeah. But I just felt like none of that was sort of relevant to talk about because it didn't feel like... I don't know. Multicolor good stuff is going to get there unless you get some busted rares, which you will in sealed. So well, we'll definitely see what the what shakes out in terms of the difference between draft and sealed is.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm also going to be jamming some of the sealed leagues on Friday. I'm going to be stuck at a music educators conference. So I'm going to be in my hotel room drafting away. Nice for lots of the day.
0: So next week, what are we looking to do, Ben? I
1: think we're going to try to dive into the format like as soon as possible. I think we're going to skip the usual rare and mythic rare set review uh, and try to give you nitty gritty info right away about cards that are good in draft and what the format looks like. So I think we're going to try to get a clearer picture of the format, uh, maybe dive into some archetypes, maybe dive into like cards that are good in those archetypes that are excelling based on what we've seen in sealed or things like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this is a pretty big departure from the normal like limited podcast first episode when a set comes out so we'd love feedback anything you liked or didn't like about this episode we're definitely looking to curate these moving forward and figure out like what is best suited for our listener base
1: yes absolutely and want to make it very clear that all of the information that we've got in our spreadsheet here is going to be available for everyone we will put a link to the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is decked out. Uh, we've got all of our grades for every card in every color, multicolor, artifacts, lands. And then we've got the removal, all ranked, graded, combat tricks, ranked, graded, list of the combat tricks, our rankings for the top commons and uncommons, the creature, CMC, uh, power and toughness charts, all that stuff available at your fingertips in the spreadsheet. So I think it's going to be super helpful. And if that was too many stats at the beginning of the podcast, you can take your sweet time and look through that spreadsheet or try to get your own picture of what the format's
0: going to look like. Absolutely cube is wrapping up sad 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 but i'm excited to have rivals come in but we still have our vintage cube treasure hunt up and well through january 15th if you complete all five achievements you get entered into a giveaway for a draft set you want to win the game with your opponent controlling no permanence infinite loop time walk mindslaver lock your opponent win the game with sword and count 15 or greater and turn to eldrazi yeah, if you get those done,
1: tweet at Lords of Limited and hashtag VC Treasure Hunt them. And if you're not on Twitter, which you need to be because PG <laughs> Twitter is great, email us some screenshots at Lords of at gmail.com
0: you want to find us directly you can spam our twitch chat i'm at twitch.tv slash lord tupperware ben is at twitch.tv slash mr metronome we are both under those same usernames on twitter lord tupperware and mr metronome i also have a youtube channel where my full uh discussions of the commons and uncommons from stream are up for rivals vixalon that's youtube.com slash c slash lord tupperware yeah if you got any feedback about the show or questions shoot us an email at at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. And thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited.
1: Yep. Thanks, everybody. See you later.